This episode of Country Squire Radio is brought to you by Missouri Meerschaum. We thank them for supporting this show, and we thank you for supporting them. You're listening to Country Squire Radio. Welcome to Country Squire Radio. I'm Bo. And I'm Russ. Russ, welcome back to the show, brother. How are you doing today? Very good. Very good. How are you doing? Doing very well, man. It is a beautiful, beautiful afternoon as we are uh, recording right now. And I got to tell you, I was reminded coming out of this weekend of just one of my favorite parts of childhood, which was Sunday afternoons after you know long day at church and big meal, typically some uh, some chicken pot pie that my mom would, would make. More often than not, you could find my dad parked on the couch watching or rather sleeping to Bob Ross. Man, I got to tell you, like this weekend was a Bob Ross kind of weekend. I've been like dealing with some stress and everything. I threw on some Bob Ross and it is amazing just how quickly the stress just melts away. <laughs> oh, wow. So where do you find, I mean, like on YouTube or something? I'm sure it's not on cable. Or- I think that Bob Ross is actually on some of the streaming services, but you can YouTube wow. practically, I think almost every single one of his episodes. And as like an audio guy, like going back, like they cranked up his mic so loud, you, you got all the breaths and like the texture of the brush and like all, like even like his, the way his clothes move around and everything. Like there's just something about the way they, they created that show which just is just, it makes you fall asleep and, but not in a bad way in like a really, really good way. <laughs> so, yeah, well, I remember reading something somewhere about his voice being, you know, some incredibly relaxing cadence yeah, whatnot. So there's something special about old, old Bob Ross. Yeah, man. He was ama- I mean, I watched him as a kid all the time. There wasn't much on TV uh, unless it was Saturday morning that I was interested in, but man, I watched a lot of Bob Ross. I tell you what, man. I think we could all do do well to put our feet up from time to time, throw on some Bob Ross, and uh, and puff on a pipe. You want to talk about stress relieving? That is the scenario right there. Well, man, I'm I'm really excited to have you on the show. You know, speaking of Bob Ross, an amazing artist, uh, we've got an amazing artist in Russ Hicks returning as co-host this week. Now, next week uh, is a monumental week in the history of Country Squire Radio. We will be celebrating episode 400. So John David will be back. We've got uh, some fun things in store. And so I want to encourage y'all to, uh, if you want to, um, yeah, give us a give us a shout out, episode 400. It, it snuck up on us, but it's going to be big because it's a big number, but, but hopefully the show will be good too. So we'll see what ends up happening. But anyway, John David's going to be returning uh, next week, but glad to have you here this week, Russ, and want to encourage everybody to, uh, yeah, be sure to give shouts out to Russ. Uh, let him know how he's doing. Let him let him know how much you appreciate him for coming on the show. Because, uh, yeah, you you're a little nervous about it, right? Well, no, no, I'm not nervous. I'm just, I mean, I'm paying for it, right? <laughs> this is like I'm paying five dollars hey, to give a you're, show. You're you're you are our OG no, the, patron the, supporter. This is true. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, it's it's the thing. You know, I listen to the show every week, so it's no fun turning it on and saying, "Oh yeah, I'm, I know <laughs> what's just, happening here." You've been completely spoiled. You've seen how the sausage is made. But yeah, man, of course, uh, you are our original patron, and want to encourage folks to uh, support the show through Patreon.com/slash Country Squire Radio. Help keep us on the airwaves uh, and uh, join the International Country Squire Radio Pipe Club there. Again, that's Patreon.com slash Country Squire Radio. Russ, uh, you know, as, as uh, listeners know and, and anybody who is uh, kind of aware of you, you are you're such a great advocate for the pipe community. You are like one of the kindest individuals. You've got a ton of talent and a ton of knowledge. Uh, when it comes to pipes and pipe tobacco. And last week, you took us through kind of what the beginner pipe smoker needs to know and, and kind of how they can change their practices to go from that kind of rookie beginner level into more of an intermediate pipe smoker. And it's funny because we, we, we talked about like, you know, this idea for this series of kind of bringing along or kind of like updating or upgrading uh, pipe smokers in, in their journey. 
But, you know, if when the concept of a pipe smoking expert comes up and like even that challenge of how do you go from intermediate to expert, you almost have to like tackle it from the angle of what even is an expert, right? Like what is a pipe smoking expert? What makes a pipe smoking expert? And, and that's going to be kind of what we're talking about today. Yeah, no, that's, that's a good point. Yeah, I guess, I mean, how would you even define an expert? Maybe someone like with a high degree of skill or yeah. knowledge, maybe on a certain topic. I never equate these two. I, I don't think of myself as an expert. So I guess, how would you even start here? Uh, I, I think as a younger pipe smoker, the first thing I would have said is if you could, like what we said last week, if you could smoke a bowl from top to bottom with two matches and a tamper, <laughs> right. then bam, you're an expert. You know, last week was kind of like everything I've learned in 30 years <laughs> and 30 minutes. You know, I apologize to the listeners for that, but I think it was a good representation of things that I now think are important. Maybe one would consider an expert, you know, like somebody who has a lot of knowledge about certain things, like somebody that could, I don't know, date Dunhill tobacco tins and pipes, or they know every stamp on, you know, hundreds of pipe makers. Uh, or a historian, you know, of various brands. So like you got a Sheraton expert or Costello. Right. I mean, it's almost like there's a question of does expert mean knowledge or does it mean experience? You know, for me, I think about like the earliest I started thinking about what a pipe smoking expert was. Like, I guess I, I would think about somebody like, well, if they can, if they can blow sp- like pipe rings, then they're an expert, like in terms of just my, my ignorance of, of not realizing how easy or challenging that could be. Yeah. Well, I mean, there, there's a, you know, I, I certainly, well, it, blowing pipe rings is a, is a great example. You know, I, I, I blow a pretty good pipe ring, but I don't do it out in the wind. And I certainly can't do what you see people with these uh, clouds of smoke from vape, <laughs> you know, do. I mean, some of that stuff is amazing, you know, and that's certainly not what we're talking about. I think it's probably a mixture of both. I, I guess it might even delve into the question of it, a hobbyist maybe, or is it a lifestyle or, or maybe are you a professional and does that even matter? But I do think what's interesting when you look at like maybe the highest honor our community community bestows on pipe smokers is like the doctor of pipes and masters of pipes, which, you know, John David's a masters of pipes, which we nominated by the way. I think because that institution draws a candidate from both industry and the hobby side. I think they're both valid uh, representations and there can be experts in both sides. So one thing I will say about somebody who makes this their lifestyle or who is a professional, that they have a better opportunity to gain a lot of experience in the craft. I mean, they're just in it more. They're immersed in it daily, especially if you're a professional. Now I have noticed, you know, all professionals, you know, some people just go to their their job and they don't love it like a hobbyist would. <laughs> there's a, and there's certainly a conflict of interest there in maybe the knowledge that you would get because they're, they're certainly trying to make a living at the same time. Just thinking about it off the top of my head, I've been listening to the questions for the experts on some other podcasts that people might know and uh, that's going on right now. And when I listen to those Dr. of Pipes talk, I mean, these, these guys have literally dedicated their life to learning what I, I would call the art and science of pipe smoking, you know, and they often come in at the very beginning and say, you know, I don't consider myself an expert. And I think that's really telling because w- w- what it says to me is they're continually students of, you know, the leaf and the briar, <laughs> so to speak, you know, they're always searching for new ways to enjoy the hobby. 
And, and I think that's just a wonderful example to follow. They don't consider themselves up on some pedestal. I think that kind of leads into maybe you don't want to make being an expert your goal, right? Maybe you, um, you focus on just the actual practice of pipe smoking. You know, when we all start, there's like some romantic idea of what you think it is. And, uh, you know, for, for whether you, you think you're a hobbit in the Shire or you think you're the greatest detective in the world or wherever it comes from, you know, <laughs> and uh, but but you have this idea in your mind what it's like to smoke a pipe, you know, what's going on in Gandalf's mind as he comes up with whatever. And in reality, the things that you think pipe smoking is and what it really is from this romanticized view is very different. I can see people coming in, you know, and, and, uh, and getting turned off with that, but don't, don't make being an expert your goal. I think though you should, you should really more strive to get an education in some area of the hobby. I I feel like the, the history is really rich. And like I've said before, you know, it's not based in some, you know, fiction. It's not, detectives and hobbits, like I said, <laughs> I guess to better, maybe even understand this when you're, when you're getting your education, the first thing I would warn people of is beware of self-proclaimed experts. If you're really an expert, you don't have to proclaim it. I also think, and I've run into this before, and this is probably the only maybe eh, slightly negative thing I would say is I think that these days, maybe there's a little bit of pretentiousness around pipe smoking. And a good example of this is what what did they say in that thing? And this is a company that I bought a lot of stuff from, but I think one of the taglines is we are quality, we are experts, we are so and so. And every time I hear that it's cringeworthy. I mean, I just like really. But but I know a lot of the people, you know, are in red ton of their stuff and they they are experts. I, I would cl- classify them as that. But you don't have to say it. <laughs> But it ain't bragging if it's true. Though. Well, yeah, you, your mama told you not to toot your own horn and, and she's uh, right. But but it's not completely true because I know I could go through that company and I could probably pull out three or four people that I'd say, yeah, these people really know what they're doing. Right. And, okay. um, and I mean, I'm not I'm not a judge of that either. As some of our friends say, we are just the leading experts on our own opinions. And that's it. And that may be a universal truth. I don't feel like I, I would be qualified to to label anybody an expert. And certainly I feel a little unqualified maybe a, a, to talk about this subject myself. I don't know, but I think getting an education, I think that's where we started with this, is really, really important. So back to the good stuff, I, I would just recommend that everybody really delve deep into, you know, what I called earlier the art and science of pipe smoking. I think there are two things, right? I think there's there's art in just the the pipe itself. I think there's, there's certainly science in it and and engineering. And then, you know, the mixture of bringing in tobacco and bringing in fire, man, there's, it's such a simple concept, but there's like a million variations of it. So there's a lot to, lot to, uh, explore there. And I, I guess I believe if you're really interested in this for the right reasons and not for romantic reasons, that this will occur naturally. So I, I look back over what I've done you know, as I look, well, I don't have it in here, but I have stacks of material. When, when, like, so let, let's, let's pause there for just a second, because, you know, like you said, you don't, you don't want to be kind of a, you know, self-professed rather expert. Um, but at the same time, you are someone who has done kind of that, gone that extra mile to educate yourself. Where did you begin? Like, where did you start to kind of 
dive dive more into like the art form into the history the knowledge that sort of thing because i mean correct me if i'm wrong you know today we've got these like hundreds of forums and kind of like this plethora of stuff online but i would imagine the early days it was a little bit harder to find content from that standpoint yeah well and and i I think i mentioned last week everything that i could find on pipe smoking fits in like a folder so that was my folder before probably the early 90s mid 90s you know when when pipes and tobaccos magazine came out that uh you know, I immediately subscribed to that and I, I subscribed to it for well, nearly a quarter of a century. Right. I think that's how long they were around. Mm. Most of my knowledge came from either experience or reading. Very rarely was I able to find something, you know, out there that I could, I mean, you couldn't go to the, the store and buy books on it. Eventually I did get like a Richard Carlton hackers. I forget the name of the book. Maybe it's the pipe book. Um, he wrote a couple of versions of that and there were things out there. I just didn't know where to go look. I know Alfred Dunhill had a book out, you know, there's some other really good books. Uh, the gentle art of pipe smoking, I think is one that, uh, John David has mentioned and, uh, I've hmm. read that, but some of these books are a little dated now. Uh, there's a lot that's happened in the last 20 years. I feel I, I, and I read all those multiple times. Honestly, there wasn't a whole lot out there on tobacco. There was Milton Sherman's all about tobacco book. Yeah. So I, I want to say that, you know, most of my options were reading um, and we have so many more today, but I want to say if somebody wants to go back, well, hey, I'll put this out to the community. There are 93 issues of Pipes and Tobacco's magazine dating from 96 to, I don't know, 2019. So you got like 23 years of, of wow. stuff there that needs to be out there digitally so people can read it. Because it is amazing. Hmm. Chuck hmm. Stanion is an incredible writer. Anything that he writes, you should read. Greg Peace wrote a piece of that. That uh, um, I forget the name of his column. Maybe it was Pipefuls. I, I can't remember. Um, really excellent. And uh, William Surratt, I think is his name, who who did originally did like the um, tobacco reviews, and he wrote a book called Trial by Fire, which is a compilation of those. You, Everybody should read those. I think they're, and eventually Tad Gage and some others took that on and uh, expounded upon it. That is something that needs to be made available before it gets lost. Um, you can certainly go on eBay and find these things, I think, if, if you go and look. But, and I would highly recommend pick up whatever you can and read it because they're all just very well done. Um, then, of course, there's the Pipe Collector, which I have um, stacks of those. Um, and it's, it's a very good magazine that comes out, I guess now it's bi-monthly. Oh, and my favorite book on how to enjoy your pipe is The Perfect Smoke by Fred Hanna. So if you haven't read that, I don't know that you can find it in print, but I do know that it's available like on Amazon. I would start there, honestly. You could just go today and pick it up and read it. He is a master at trying to get the most out of your pipe. I, th- I think it's a wonderful work. That's where I would recommend people start to get an education and, uh, you know, just consume as much info as you can. That's good. I mean, and the other thing too is, you know, it's a, it, it can be daunting, but as you say, I mean, start with where your passion lies. Um, for some people, it's more about, you know, the pipes, the carving, the art form there for others, it's about the, the product of the tobacco. But for a lot of folks, it's really just kind of learning the, just the art of smoking, even like, you know, keeping your pipe lit and, you know, it's, it, uh, to the surface world, right. To like, to the outside observer, I think pipe smoking can come across as very shallow might be the wrong word, but 
not as dense of a uh, hobby as it actually is. I know that we talk to people all the time who are not pipe smokers and are kind of confused at like, wait, you've been doing this for how long? Weekly? And you still have stuff to talk about? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's, it's, it's not, a, it's not a, as small as I think people, uh, people can think. And as, as you yourself kind of, you know, as, as kind of you, the listener might think back right now as to what first got you into pipe smoking, you know, we could probably line up a bunch of y'all. Some of y'all would definitely have some shared experiences, but likely y'all would be coming in from a couple of different angles. And so whatever that passion is, if it is, you know, the, uh, you know, the way in which kind of pipes have been utilized in your favorite books, like what was it that, um, what was it about Sherlock Holmes puffing on that third pipe that really kind of got your interest? Was it the cerebral experience of just smoking a pipe? Was it the way in which it was described? Could you imagine the, the flavors and the taste, that sort of thing? But use that as kind of your 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 angle to like dive in and, and begin your research. It is interesting though, because you know, I think about John David in particular as somebody who is literally kind of a, a professional when it comes to pipe tobacco. And, you know, over the years, there's been several blends that have been lost to time. There have been uh, several new blends that have entered into the market. And you mentioned yourself that even a lot of the books that you've got right now are, you know, some to some extent outdated. It can be difficult to keep up, despite the fact that we're often kind of seen as a stagnant industry. So how does somebody become an expert in a product line that is changing because either some tobaccos are lost to time or because they're constantly evolving based off of the, you know, the, the leaf available to them? Yeah. Well, if you want to go back in time, it gets expensive. Right. <laughs> some would argue, and even I would argue that the tobaccos change over time in, in a way that one mm-hmm. Q is a great example. It's the most popular tobacco on the planet, so I can pick on it. If I'm going to smoke one Q, I like it fresh. I don't like it aged. But then there are other tobaccos. I smoke a lot of McBaron's Dark Twist. And Dark Twist with 10 or 15 years of age on it is fantastic. Right out of the bag, man, it's pretty harsh. Can be. And there are a lot of blends like that. Becoming an expert in the tobacco part is really a it's a mysterious path. Because I think what you'll find with a pipe side is that there's a lot of collaboration. There's a lot of information. You can meet up with people. People will share their secrets and everything. But on the tobacco side, I, I don't know. You know, as a, as a connoisseur, which I, by that I mean a consumer, <laughs> you, you really just need to get out there and experience the full spectrum of everything that's available right now, if you can. You know, I think that's the only way in, and it's the best way in. It's also the least expensive path to take, you know, but but as far as like the other side is like, how do you get into blending and, and all of that? How do I say this the right way? It, no tobacconist is going to openly share information with you. And uh, my my favorite... <laughs> <laughs> Well, I mean, yeah, that's that's right. I mean, you know, that's that's a nice way. That's not a mean way at all. That's that's so right. So I, I, I mean, it, sorry to be so blunt, but my favorite my favorite <laughs> version of this story is uh, the lovely Mary McNeil at one mm. one uh, Chicago show. My brother and I were up at the McClellan's booth, and we were talking to her, and she goes, "Oh, it's just so wonderful to see all these pipe smokers and and, and pipe makers collaborating and getting together and sharing their secrets and." teaching each other and they're learning how to make better pipes and everything is getting good. And then she changed her tone instantly. She said in the pipe tobacco world, we don't do that. <laughs> you know? And uh, we right. just laughed. I mean, it was, it was hilarious. And I think she was dead serious. I know they have blending schools and, and you can go, go do those. And I blended a bunch of my own stuff together from pounds of like base tobacco that I bought. And I mean, it's fun. 
a lot of times you end up just wasting a lot of stuff and turning things into, you know, really horrible concoctions. You know, it's funny, e- even John David, he doesn't trust me enough to give me the slightest hint of what's no, going come on. on in the blending <laughs> That's process. That's exactly right. Not even. A, so, so you know what's, you know, what's crazy. Me too. And, and he knows good and well that if I'm looking at, I have no idea what I'm looking at. You know yeah. what I mean? Like he could, he could make the, he could make all the blends in front of me and I would just be completely clueless, but no, 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 it's, it's, it's well-kept secret. And now they got that annex, man. They've got the secret annex where all the, all the stuff goes down. Yeah. And he knows that if I knew anything, I would, you know, I would, uh, I would die before I told anybody, but anyway, yeah. heck with him. And what, what, what I conclude <laughs> from that is, <laughs> is probably the truth behind all this tobacco blending lies somewhere between Real magic and the mm. emperor has no clothes. <laughs> wow. Wow. So okay. All right. I'm just going to put that mm. out there. So, <laughs> but, but, you know, we were going to talk about like books on, on tobacco. Right. I think one thing I would recommend and you can go, well, there are two books actually. If you're really into tobacco, I would buy, what's his name? It's like Ian Gately. He wrote a book and I think it's just called tobacco and it's like a history of tobacco Huh. You can get it on Amazon or you can get it, you know, I, I want to say it's like on an audiobook. You can do that too. It is a fantastic read. The thing that you really need to have is like the tobacconist handbook. And I, I can't remember who wrote it, but it comes from that tobacconist university where you can go to school and learn how to grade leaf. Huh, yeah. And in that it has, it's, it's mainly cigar centric, which so many things are today. It is really a, it's a good read. So it, it's not, it's not as deep as I would like. I, I find all the really deep, meaningful conversations that people have had somehow have ended up in writings like in that Pipes and Tobaccos magazine or get expounded on shows like yours. And I think you really have to go and you have to dig. It's not just something that you can go to. You're not going to go to Pipepedia, which is another really good reference, by the way, <laughs> and, and just find everything all in one, one stop shop. So Unfortunately, that's probably all I would say about tobacco, but you really got to get out there and, and search for what you like, kind of like what we talked about last week, and experience as much as possible. And if you can experience some aged blends, and uh, contrary to what's been said on this show before, they don't all turn into soil, you know, <laughs> and some of them turn into something much worse. I'd rather smoke dirt, uh, honestly. Right. <laughs> so, right. But some of them really turn into something special. It's tough, though. You're going to go out there and you're going to see, here's this listing of all this old tobacco that's on sale on maybe Saturday morning on Steve Fallon's website. And it pops up and it's gone in like three minutes. So you got to be fast. but And you got to know what you're what you're looking for. But that can be a really daunting experience, even for myself, right? Like I've missed out on things I wanted. I don't feel like I would recommend, maybe you shouldn't go back in time. I think we should stay in the present and try to move forward. Hmm. Wow. So it's a good charge. Absolutely. Well, let me ask you this then as someone who is, uh, not wanting to call himself an expert, uh, what, 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 what about you, man? Like, like, let's just say that we're going to be super humble and say that you are not an expert or that you don't know more than the average person when it comes to pipes and pipe tobacco. Um, what, what are you doing right now to increase your expertise? Okay. Um, I'm looking for other experts. <laughs> okay. So, okay. um, I know that I've found an expert maybe when the signal to noise of their information is really high hmm. and the stories that they relay of their journey, they, they aren't superficial. And, and, and I can also see that they've been down a similar path, not the same path, but 
they, they've discovered things that I've discovered that I know are important. When I find somebody like that, and it doesn't have to be somebody with a ton of experience either. It's very interesting because I find that there's some people that have smoked the same thing in one pipe for 60 years. Right, right, right. You know, and that's not the person I'm interested in talking to. Somebody I really enjoyed discussing this with was, you, you remember Caleb? the intern at the Squire. Oh yeah. Caleb, the intern. absolutely. So I, I remember, I remember walking in there one day and seeing Caleb load his pipe and it's this little, it's pretty small pipe. And he's like loading and loading and loading. I swear he put 16 ounces of tobacco in that bowl. And I was like, man, now I know how you won that long smoke competition. <laughs> I think even there, there's these younger guys that have a, um, they're coming in and they see what's available and they have a new twist on it. You can get a lot of new mm. ideas. And and by that, I mean, I'm like always searching for some new actionable idea. And, and I think that's really important. If you're going to listen to a podcast, if you're going to spend an hour of your life, you know, listening to something, you should walk away with something that you can put into practice. And, I, and the funny thing, as I talk to more and more people that I really admire, I find that uh, some of these ideas that I can put into practice, they come out of someone with true expertise just in passing. And it's more likely than not that they themselves just consider it commonplace knowledge. Wow. That's a good catch, Russ. Absolutely. Because that's the thing. I mean, like, as you mentioned, the experts aren't really trying to like flaunt that they're experts. It's the the ones that just know that it's it's so secondhand. Like they, it's just the air they breathe is the knowledge. And so they they'll, they'll drop these just gems and not even not even realize they did it. That's right. Uh, what a man! That's a that's a great catch. That is a great catch. Well, good stuff, man. Well, all right. Well, I'm I'm excited. I feel like uh, you know we we've we've kind of you know looked into the various kind of aspects of what makes a pipe expert a pipe expert and talked about how one can maybe work to pursue that. I love that you mentioned looking towards kind of finding those mentors, finding those experts. And they're out there. One of the things that that we are really, really excited to see is new pipe smokers that, that come to the show. Not only do we get a chance to kind of expose them to some some different knowledge and some different products and that sort of thing, but hopefully give them that humble kind of welcoming with somebody who has a ton of knowledge. I don't know if John David would, would classify himself an expert. I think we all definitely would one way or the other. And as you say, he's got that master of pipes. So if you, once you got yeah. that... No, he's an expert. Exactly. So it's like you, yeah. you're there. and so, But he also comes with such a humble uh, uh, posture that I think has really resonated with a lot of folks. But you know, one of the things we always also encourage with our uh, new pipe smokers who are coming in is that you know that you might have this pressure. Maybe you put it on yourself. Maybe you kind of see you know kind of some of the more experienced pipe smokers, and you, and you kind of want to be that guy, right? You want to be one of these folks out of the gate. Don't be that guy out of the gate. It's fine. Like figure this out. Take it slow. There is no judgment, and there is no pressure, or at least there shouldn't be. And if you're part of a, commu- a pipe community that is not giving you the space to figure all this out, that's the wrong pipe community to be in. There's a lot of great pipe communities out there, and so you want to make sure that you are taking the time to get it right. And then, you know, well, I'll say this last thing too. There, there are some people that believe that you, you can buy your way into expertise. You know, if you spend like a ton of money on a pipe or something of that nature, you just like, you know, buy all this stuff and like, oh, well, I've got, you know, this, this particular, you know, uh, ancient pipe or whatever it may be. So, uh, you know, I, I'm going to bust this out at the local pipe shop and they're going to know me to be an expert instantly. But you know what? That, that doesn't make you an expert. I know some of the best pipe smokers out there. And you know what they're out there smoking right now? A good quality corn cob pipe from our good friends at Missouri Meerschaum. 
That was clever. <laughs> it doesn't break the bank either, my friends. It's a quality. It's a quality smoke every single time. Uh, we hope we absolutely love our good friends at Missouri Meerschaum. You want to talk about some experts in the business, uh, not and not just about pipes and pipe tobacco, which they certainly are, but also corn and what you can do with it. Man, you would think that a corn cob pipe, uh, you know, can only go so far, but they have got so many great. Uh, shapes and they are constantly innovating over there, finding new and different ways to make the best quality pipe for you. So head over to corncobpipe.com and hey, if you've got a Missouri Meerschaum pipe this week, be sure to smoke it, snap a picture of yourself doing so to send to us. We love to share those out with our good friends at Missouri Meerschaum for letting them know we appreciate them for sponsoring this show. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Pipe question of the week. All right, man. Pipe question of the week. Now, I'm I'm kind of excited about this because it's a pipe question that was actually uh, uh, sent to me by a friend, and I thought, ooh, I, I, I've got Russ on the show, and Russ, in many ways, is the worst person to ask this question to. But that's why it, he he would might be the best person to ask this question to. And that is a, it's a new pipe smoker or not, not a new pipe smoker, but somebody who is really trying to, you know, expand their palate. You know, we've talked a lot about kind of what it takes to kind of upgrade uh, yourself as a pipe smoker, how you get better, how you kind of uh, educate yourself and, and try new things. This is certainly a pipe smoker who's doing that. And they asked me what kind of burly, they're just not now starting to kind of get into burly pipe tobaccos and they're wondering what they should go for to try to get a sense as to whether or not they like burly. And Russ, you hate burly. <laughs> So I I thought with that in mind, how would you recommend to a pipe smoker who is kind of experimenting with Burley? Like, where would you send them to discover whether or not they, this would be something they like or whether or not it might not be something for them? Right. That's an evil question. I know. (laughs) So I'm going to give two answers here. If I wanted them to get the full Burley attack, I might send them to something like Cornell and Deal's Haunted Bookshop. You you have to love the pipe tobacco just because of the name. It's a stout. I don't know. I I can't smoke it. So if if you can smoke that, you can smoke Burley's. But what I would probably recommend first is the Lane Limited BLWB Burley Light without a bite. Sure. Yeah. 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 So I it's an it's kind of a they I mean I think they classify it as a Burley ribbon, but it to me I I remember it as sort of a aromatic. I think I would start there. You know, but if you really just want to dive in, there's so many great burley blends out there. And as I've said before, I love the taste of burley. I just don't like the reaction that I have to it afterwards. So it, um, yeah, I literally have like a chemical reaction to it. But um, you know, I man, don't miss out on it because the, the thing is, if you're just a Virginia pipe smoker, I I hadn't looked at Cornell and Deal's list of tens lately, but I want to say that they're like. Uh, you can count on one hand of their hundreds of tens they put out that only have Virginia in them. So your, your, uh, you know, your prospects become limited. It's like they put Burley in everything. And I think Burley is a great component. I mean, it, it, it has a place. 
It has a place just for you, not in your cellar. Yeah, yeah. I have very little burly, if if any, in my cellar. So, and, and it doesn't age. It doesn't because there are no sugars in it. Not, not really. It doesn't change with age. So, I think the point of aging burly is I don't know pointless, <laughs> but um, <laughs> you know, it's not like it's going to ferment like a Virginia blend. Mm. But um, yeah, uh, in, enjoy. Enjoy your burly pipe tobacco and let us know how BLWB works for you. Absolutely. And let me ask you this. So as somebody who appreciates burly, but can't smoke it, doesn't smoke it. Like what, what would you say? Like if, if they determine like, this isn't for me, where would, where would the next step be? I always consider burly like the, the thing that you smoke at the end. (laughs) The, the, it is the, it is the thing that you have to grow up into you know, it typically mm. starts with aromatics and then everybody moves to some sort of English Latakia type thing. A lot of times they'll move to a Virginia, Virginia Perique. And a lot of people, I think, just stay there. But every once in a while, and I've seen this trend over and over, the really experienced pipe smokers end up smoking burly. You know, and this is why I say, man, these experts, they've something has taken them there and it just hasn't taken me there. Mm. I'm, I'm afraid I'll never get there. Yeah, I would love to have like deep conversations about what makes Burley so amazing because I don't get it. All right. Well, there you go. <laughs> like I said, this is kind of a kind of a unique twist, but I thought I'd throw it to you uh, for that reason. And so, uh, hey, if you've got a pipe question, uh, send it into the show. That's show at CountrySquireRadio.com. Again, that is show at CountrySquireRadio.com. Quick fire with the Squire. All right, so I'm about to do something I did last week, and it just felt weird. So I know you're trying to help me out. So here, let, let's see how it goes. Quick fire questions. <laughs> <laughs> you like Russ? You took the time. You found one of John David's owls, and you pulled it for the show. Thank you, sir. Yeah, I had to do that. So I, I'm, I'm, I apologize to everybody that I, I just can't make that sound. No, I appreciate it, man. Uh, it's good to hear his voice. All right, look, man. So last week we had some fun. We did a little superhero back and forth with Marvel and DC. I thought I'd do something a little. I, I flipped it up, man. This is this is almost like the reverse episode from this standpoint because I wanted. I, I took villain DC and Marvel villains here. Okay, that's that's kind of what we got. But rather than do kind of villains that are similar to each other, I just took the heroes that we did before and matched up their villain. And for some of these, these were really tough because some of these don't really have arch nemeses. But anyway, you'll you'll see you'll see where this goes. You, you ready okay. for this? All right, Lex Luthor or Red Skull? Ugh, I, I like Lex Luthor better. I, I like drawing Red Skull. <laughs> you know, if I'm going to have to draw something, um, it's much right. more interesting. But as a character, I find Lex Luthor uh, just really yeah, he's he's compelling. He's you know he uh, it's interesting because occasionally he'll fight to save the world, but. Uh, but also he's, he's completely evil. And so, you know, he's got, he's got more complexities than I think uh, he's given credit for red skull. It is, it's hard to root. It's hard to ever root for red skull. (laughs) Really hard. Yeah. (laughs) All right. Next one, the Joker or the Mandarin? Oh, the Joker. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Like probably the most iconic comic book villain of all time. Yeah. I mean, I, I, the, the latest stuff is it's, uh, Scott Snyder and, um, Greg Capullo have done with Batman. The whole Joker run is just is just insane. So anyway, I, I recommend if if there's any question of which one is the one, just read that. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. I will say the Mandarin got robbed on uh, the big screen, but uh, hopefully they'll they'll be changing that here in the, the next year or so. Uh, but yeah, Joker all the way. You you, you can't even compete. You just can't. Uh, all right, this is this is where things are about to get weird. 
Although I guess Joker and the Mandarin are a weird odd pa- uh, odd mashup anyway. Cheetah or Loki? Maybe Cersei or Loki is actually a much better. Uh, <laughs> I just don't realize. All right, I'm, I'm changing this up on the fly. Cersei or Loki? Okay. Well, I mean, I love Loki's character, and uh, those horns are hard to draw though and make them look right. But yeah, um, yeah because it, you have to draw them in perspective, and they they they're in like three dimensional space. It can get really strange. You have to like use tricks, but um. Yeah, I don't know. Just the 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 interplay between Thor and Loki is just so so interesting. How they love each other, hate each other. Um, I don't know. It's just uh, definitely Loki for me. All right. Well, there you go. Yeah. I, uh, same same as well. Um, I, although I am very curious where this uh, new series is about to take his character. Um, so I'm 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 tentatively excited, but it's it seems very weird. But you know what? Weird seems about right for Loki. Very very mischievous. All right. Uh, okay. Deathstroke or Bullseye? Hmm. Man, I like both of them. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> yeah. I in the New Fifty Two, Deathstroke had a had its own it was his own book, and it was it was really really good. Um, I don't know, but I I, I feel like I've read more Bullseye. Oh man, that's hmm. hard. Uh, I know, right? This was a pretty good one. Man, I, I guess I'm gonna give it to Bullseye. I don't. Ha- I don't have a good justification. <laughs> like, <yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> you just like I, him. No, that yeah, works. That I, works. Uh, yeah, I'm gonna give it to him. I like any anybody that's a marksman. There you go. Uh, yeah, I, I got to say that I found the kind of the retelling of Bullseye in the Netflix Daredevil series mm. was super super compelling. Um, very interesting. They made Bullseye, I think, a far more interesting character than I'd ever really kind of given him, you know, credit for. Um, so I'm, I'm going to go with bullseye, but by a hair Deathstroke is a very versatile villain and has been for a lot of different characters. And you kind of, you know, I don't know if you saw the, the, the Zack Snyder, Snyder verse recuts, whatever it is, the, the Snyder cut of justice league, but yeah, seems, seems like Deathstroke was about to have a bit of a moment, but yes, it's not going to happen. Count vertigo or taskmaster. Oh Lord. I, I am honestly very unfamiliar with both of those characters <laughs> yeah okay so to be fair this is where it's like the black canary versus black widow i'm like i'm like black widow well, well, black uh, her arch nemesis russia maybe i don't uh, i mean for black canary is you know she's older she's been around longer than black widow right uh, that's a, right. That's a, but these man i'm trying to i'm trying to think of a storyline that i can recall for these characters and I, it's not coming to mind i'm gonna have to say gumby <laughs> oh my gosh wow we got there got we there, got there yeah. folks i mean that's in, in honor right. of our missing friend all right and this is the this is the last one uh because i was trying to think of martian manhunter and the hulk now the hulk has a lot of great nemeses but martian manhunter not so much so this is what i put for their arch nemeses to, to choose fire or taking a chill pill <laughs> <laughs> oh man i don't know uh fire definitely <laughs> there you go alright man so that was a little weird one but uh, hopefully I had a little fun with that and uh, hey if you got some quick fire questions for us be sure to send them in at the show that's show at countrysquireradio.com again that's show at countrysquireradio.com your thoughts your comments listener feedback alright man we got some great listener feedback in this week this is coming in from Uchi Uchi U-E-C-H-I you know, it's coming in from you, Brett. And you, Brett, I apologize for absolutely butchering your, your first name or your uh, 
first part of your username, but uh, thank you so much for your feedback. It says a great pipe podcast. I've only been a pipe smoker for the last few years now, but this podcast was the first I found that opened the doors to the pipe community. I quickly went through the back catalog and now look forward to each week to another new episode. Keep up the great work on this enjoyable podcast. And again, that is from you, Brent, up on um, iTunes. Uh, we also have another iTunes review coming in this week, and this is coming in from Sam Bruno. Uh, Sam says, well, I don't know why I've waited so long to submit a review, but these guys are phenomenal. JD and Bo are two of the most quirky characters you will ever listen to on the podcast, but they are comfortable together uh, as a pair of old shoes. A little bit, both these guys, JD is grounded in reality and has a good grasp on the world, how the world turns. And Bo is a bit of a dreamer with the uh, demand for lore of all in all things. Uh, they have great chemistry and always full of great knowledge of the bowl. Ironically, one of my best friends is named Bo. And listening to these two friends is really not much different than the conversations we have together. I always enjoy and look forward to the newly released podcast and sit back and enjoy a bowl. Thanks to both of these guys. Again, that is from Sam Bruno. Well, Sam, thank you so much, brother. Appreciate that. Yeah, that's a, uh, <laughs> that's a, that's a good, uh, good assessment of us. I, I like that a lot. Um, but uh, yeah, appreciate those, uh, those reviews. And hey, if you haven't done so already, head over to iTunes to write us a review. It's a great way to help support the show. Doesn't cost you a dime to do it. But if you do have a couple of dimes you'd like to help support the show, keep it on the air. Uh, head over to patreon.com slash countrysquireradio uh, and become one of the members of the International Country Squire Radio Pipe Club. And yes, we also got a Twitter at Squire Radio. You can follow the shop at underscore Country Squire at John David Cole is John David Cole. I'm no longer on Twitter. I, I bailed, <laughs> but I'm but I'm still around. So email the show if you've got any questions or anything like that. Show at CountrySquireRadio.com is the email address to do it. And then of course, Russ, man, thank you so much for returning, man. Pulling double duty, two two episodes in a row, man. You're you're a champ. Thanks so much for uh, for stepping in in this big way as we uh, give John David a little room to uh, to breathe and. Uh, adjust to this uh, this new addition on on their family, and I know we're all excited to have them back next week. But man, I I just can't thank you enough for being here. Yeah, man, I've, it's been my pleasure. I've certainly enjoyed doing this. So yeah, but I can't wait till next week to hear him again. <laughs> so, <laughs> Absolutely, man. Take a week. Wait, well, hey, how can folks get in touch with you if uh, like let's say there's some pie smoking experts that uh, want want to mentor you, or and more likely you've got a lot of people who are looking for a mentor and they want to uh, reach out to you. What's the best way to do so? Probably my email is uh, ricksart at gmail.com. That's r h i x a r t at gmail.com. You can reach me there, and uh, you know, or catch me on Instagram, which I'm not on much, but you know, check it out. Same thing, ricksart at instagram.com and also on DeviantArt. I was about to say, you referenced uh, during the quickfire questions, a number of kind of your, you know, the tricks that you've had and, and uh, wrestled with some of the designs for these characters. Are, are, are you, is some of your more recent art up there or when can we see some more, some more work from you? No. Oh, yeah. That's a great question. I feel like um, during the pandemic, I've uh, really slowed down on, on art and I've been essentially carrying three full-time jobs. <laughs> right. So, uh, you know, so I, I haven't been drawing a whole lot. I've been uh, actually studying. You know, maybe maybe here in the the future, I'll uh, come out with some new stuff of things. You know, that I've been I've been learning. I've been really trying to double down on my skills and uh, take myself back to basics. And you know, because I'm a self trained artist anyway, so I've you know, been trying to trying to up my game, so Man, to speak. So you have a ton of natural talent if that's the case. So it's I'm exciting to see what we can uh, look for from you in the uh, in the future, man. Because I know it's going to be uh, absolutely phenomenal. So all right, brother. Well, once again, thanks for coming on the show. And hey, let's go have a day. All right, see you later, both.